This morning, we are continuing a, a series uh, that we've been in. In fact, we are concluding uh, a series that we've called Revelation in Red. And in this series, we've been looking at seven unique letters that Jesus dictated um, to seven unique churches in the first century uh, Roman province of Asia. And um, man, this, this morning, we don't just get to wrap up our series, but we get to Ask the question, what is Jesus saying, not just to those seven churches, but what is he saying to us? And what are some of the ways we believe he is calling us to move forward as a church? And we're excited to talk about what we believe the Lord is doing here and where we believe the Lord is taking us in 2019. And so glad you're here because we want to ask you to go all in and be a part of that. Um, but first, we want to talk about this seventh of the churches. And um, this church was located in the city of Laodicea. If you have a copy of the Bible, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14, looking at the church in Laodicea. Um, Laodicea was uh, an interesting place. A couple of things uh, were true about it that will bring some attention to. Uh, uh, Laodicea was uh, built at the intersection of two pretty major trade routes, which positioned it beautifully for import and export, which worked out really well for Laodicea because Laodicea was world famous for its production of a very rich and rare black wool. They had them some funky sheep um, that produced this incredible wool. In fact, if you were anybody who was anybody on the red carpet, you were sporting one of those black Laodicean wool coats. Those things were not cheap, super expensive, very rare, very um, exclusive, produced in Laodicea. So Laodicea was kind of this textile center of the world at the time. Uh, Laodicea was also well known for its medical prowess. It was home to a, uh, a medical school, and as a result, some geniuses emerged from that school, and they were responsible uh, for creating some pretty world-famous medicines. Uh, they were particularly famous for an eye ointment, an eye salve that they created, that they invented in that general region, that they exported all over the world. So Laodicea, textiles and, and medicines located at this intersection of these two major trade routes made that place rich. They don't call it loaded sea for nothing. They don't call it that, but they should have. This place was loaded um, banks were fighting to come and have a presence in Laodicea. If you were one of the rich and elite and wealthy, you were keeping your money in the Laodicean banks. That place was rich. In fact, in AD 60, Laodicea had a pretty devastating earthquake, brought the city to the ground, like in Philadelphia, um, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Laodicea they sent word out to let the world know we do not want anyone's help. And a number of the residents dug into their pockets and they paid for the entire city to be rebuilt. These were them some loaded people. Now, if there was any mark or any challenge about living in Laodicea, is it was built for its trade route position. Unfortunately, that meant for them it didn't have a reliable water source. 
these people were rich, so no problem. What they did was they built a, 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 um, a canal that traveled from six miles south in the town of Denizli, and it carried water into Laodicea, which is how these people lived, and they thrived, and they survived. But all the say of all the seven churches, Laodicea was by far the wealthiest of the churches, affluent and comfortable and loaded. And it was into that city that Jesus writes the letter because it was in that city that the church at Laodicea lived. Now, unlike most of the other churches we've looked at, the thing about the church in Laodicea was it was drama-free. There didn't seem to be much of a hint of any tension, any drama. They weren't experiencing any persecution. They weren't experiencing any waves. Things were pretty calm in Laodicea. Things were pretty comfortable until Jesus wrote them a letter. Um, and uh, his letter shook some things up. And uh, we want to look at what he says to this really rich church in this really rich city in Laodicea. Um, Revelation chapter 3, again, starting at verse 14. Here's what it says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the Amen the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So uh, when Jesus introduces himself to the, to the church at Laodicea, he introduces himself as the amen, as the faithful and the true, which is just a simple way of Jesus introducing himself and calling himself the ever-steady, never-changing one. And again, a city that was built near a fault and that was susceptible to earthquakes, these words would have resounded. I am Jesus, and I want you to know that I do not shift, I do not change, I will never be shaken. And he also introduces himself as uh, the ruler of creation, which is just another way of reminding the church, I am the shot caller. I am the boss of this whole thing. I am Charles, is what I'm saying. I'm in charge of this whole situation happening over here. If it falls under the umbrella of God's creation, I'm in charge of it. And Jesus is starting to hint at where he's going. See, because I know the problem with affluence is you start to think that we've made the money. And we've got this whole thing set, and it's ours, and Jesus is just sending notice. No, if it's under God's creation, it's mine, which means I can take it anytime, I can give it anytime. I'm truly in charge of everything. And then some heavy words. Verse 50 I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of 
my mouth. That would have been intense to hear. That would not. This is Jesus writing to the church. You're neither hot nor cold, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Ugh. Now, this would have brought up um, a pretty clear image um, in the minds of the Laodiceans. Um, six miles north of Laodicea was the town of Hierapolis. Hierapolis was famous because it was the home of a world-renowned hot spring. And this hot spring would emerge out of the ground and it would send water to this beautiful cascading waterfall that fell 300 feet down into the valley and then traveled along the valley floor. Um, and everyone would have been aware of this incredible, beautiful tourist spot. Now, uh, it was really interesting because I would imagine that if you're a kid living in that day and you wanted some entertainment, you would just go into the valley and watch the tourists who were coming by, naive as they were. Um, because here's how it worked. As this beautiful hot spring emerged from the ground and water went over this rocky um, terrain and down the waterfall, it would strip the rocks of their minerals and carry those minerals down and start to travel along the the valley. So if you're a tourist, you might be tempted because if you go there, it's beautiful and the water is clear and the tourists might be tempted to be like, oh, that looks really delicious. I'm going to have myself a drink. Not aware of the fact that not only had it stripped these minerals, which gave the water this metallic taste, but it also cooled down to this gross, like, body temperature type of thing. So I can imagine kids are there with their cameras, and they're getting ready for YouTube, because the minute a tourist would get some of that water in their mouth, their immediate response would be just horror and... I'm just, maybe it's just me if I were a kid. I wouldn't warn anybody. I would just watch and laugh. And this would have been the image that would have come to mind. And Jesus writes a letter to the church at Laodicea, and he says, you know what I think when I look at you? You remind me of bleh. that metallic, gross, like body temperature, water situation that you all know six miles north of you. You look prettier than you taste. I'm not a naive tourist, though. I'm not falling for this because I know what you are actually made of and no thanks. You all look appealing in your fancy black wool coats and everything. You all sound fantastic with your very crystal clear theology flowing through the floors of your churches, but gross. You're kind of gross. Can you imagine Jesus saying this to his people, to but church, yeah, yeah, I love you all, but I just don't enjoy you that much. Okay, not at all. 
Because when it comes to my mission, and that's what Jesus is talking about. When it comes to my mission of showing and sharing my love in your world, you are neither here nor there. Just bleh. You are neither hot nor cold. You are this complacent in between. You are lukewarm and I just don't enjoy you. You look good, you sound good, but you will not go all in on my mission. And I feel like spitting you out. Now, the, the language of being, you know, just spitting out um, is not Jesus saying, and I'm going to get rid of you, or I'm going to send you to hell, or anything of that sort. It, it's just an expression of distaste. It's an expression of displeasure. It's Jesus' way of saying, I'm just not enjoying you. It doesn't mean my presence isn't with you, but it just means... I don't particularly love being present here with you all. I'm not going to get rid of you. That's why I believe Jesus starts this letter the way he does. I am the amen. I am the faithful and true. I am the never shifting. I am the unchanging because I want you to know I will never change my mind about you. I love you so much, but uh, I'm not that into you right now. But I'm not going anywhere, but... Right? I mean, this is the marriage. This is the thing. This is like, hey, give me some fight or give me delight, but don't give me this polite, like, Bleh. Like, propose or, or, or let me go, but stop praying about it. We've been dating eight years. I'm, Bleh. Yeah. You know, like play hard or, or sit on the bench, but stop talking big, right? This is Jesus saying, when it comes to my mission, like you guys are neither here nor there, and I'm not about to get rid of you because I love you so much, but you need to know I am not enjoying you right now. So, the moral of the story is Jesus wants you to be all in, or be all out. He just doesn't want you to be Malcolm, right? He just doesn't like you in the middle. Um, I, oh, <laughs> my man, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, go all in on my mission. Go all out on my mission. But just don't be in the middle. Um, no, that's not the moral of the story. Uh, the moral of, of the story is that there is only one kind of church that Jesus truly enjoys, and it's the church that goes all in. Right? I mean, Jesus dislikes the Laodiceans because they're not going all in on his mission. And I think this is important for us to get a hold of. Anything other than all in in the economy of Jesus is lukewarm. And he's like, I don't enjoy it. See, I, I read this for years, and I thought, okay, I think I get the key of, of Revelation um, chapter 3 here. Jesus is saying, heart is good. 
cold, bad, and lukewarm, the worst. And Jesus is saying, I'd really rather you were good or really bad, but not in between. Like Jesus is saying, when it comes to my mission, I would really rather you were all in with me or get out and be all out, but don't be in the middle. That's not what Jesus is saying. When have you ever heard Jesus say, I wish that you would just be all out? He's never said that before. Jesus isn't saying, go in with me or get out, but don't be in between. Otherwise, we're going to find a life verse that says, oh, so there Jesus says he would actually prefer that I be out. No. That's not, I wonder if, if Jesus isn't calling again to mind the imagery of who the Laodiceans were. Um, six miles north of Laodicea was a town called Heropolis. And as you Bible scholars know, Heropolis was home to a world-famous hot spring. The hot spring wasn't just famous for the beautiful waterfall that it sourced. The hot spring was famous because those hot waters were key in creating their world-famous medicines that helped the sick and helped the hurting. If that hot spring doesn't exist, then there's a whole lot of people who are sick and a whole lot of people who are hurting. Ah, six miles south of Laodicea, as you know, was the town of Denizli. Denizli was home um, to the cool spring. It was home to the well. It was home to the water source that was carried by the channel to Laodicea that brought life and brought refreshing and resourced their agriculture. If you blocked that canal, Life as it was known stops in Laodicea, and the reality is people die. I wonder if Jesus isn't saying, give me one, or at least give me the other. Give me Denizli, and at least be a source that brings spiritual life and vitality to the people in your world. Carry my gospel and bring life to this place. But if not that, would you at least be Heropolis and do something to take care of the physical needs of the sick and the hurting? Be a waterfall that makes a practical difference in your world or be a well that shares the gospel and brings spiritual life to your community. But as it stands, my beef with you is that you are this gross puddle in between and you are doing neither of the two. Jesus isn't saying you can be all in or you can be all out. Jesus is saying do one thing or the other, but do something. Share my love. Show my love, but do something. 
share my gospel or show my love in the way you practically care for the people around you. Jesus' problem with Laodicea is they were doing neither of the two, and his response to that is, I don't enjoy you that much at all. And please note, in case you missed it, Jesus is not saying anything about their theology. Jesus is not saying anything about what they feel or what they believe or what they think about the hurting and the broken and the lost people in their world. He's not saying anything about that. He is measuring lukewarmness on the basis of what they actually do. Because you can run a commentary on how beautiful the waterfall is and the needs of people. And you know what we should do to help people? Oh man, we could do some really cool things. And you can have right theology about the gospel. Well, you know, does regeneration precede, you, you, you know, confession? And, and you can have all of this right stuff. But Jesus is saying, I'm not, I've no beef with what you talk about. Lukewarmth is measured by what you do. Jesus says, I see your deeds. I see the things that you do. And this is key for us to understand. When it comes to going all in on the mission of Jesus, it's going to be about what you do, not what you believe. Yeah, you believe the gospel ought to be shared. Well, when was the last time you, you did it, though? Yeah, you think the orphan and the vulnerable child ought to be cared for. What have you done about it, though? It's not about some attitude. It's about action. You cannot follow me and not do something with my mission. By the way, that's why here at Mission Point, we long to figure out what does it look like. And by the way, when it's all said and done, I don't believe Jesus is ultimately saying, choose one or the other. You read his Bible and you know Jesus says, I want you to be both, a well and a waterfall. And that's why we are trying to figure this out as a church. What does it look like to show and share the love of Jesus Christ in our world? We want to figure out what does it look like to be an all-in mission movement. We want to be both the well and the waterfall that brings life and brings healing to the world around us. What we don't want to ever be is a bunch of people talking and doing nothing. We want to go after the hurting and the hopeless because that's what following him always leads to. Jesus' problem with the Laodiceans is that they were doing nothing with his mission. Not practically, not spiritually, nothing. Then he gives the obstacles that he says have kept them from being all in. Verse 17, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, 
but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You know why you are lukewarm? You know why you are not living on a mission? It's because of your money. You live in the wealthiest city in the region and your wealth has become enough for Economy is booming. You feel super secure. You feel really, really set right now. Things are going really well, and you are very satisfied. Why would you even risk messing all of that up by engaging the mission? You feel super comfortable. Why would you mess that up by going after the people who are not comfortable? Why would you start to do things that could stir the waters at work and run the risk of you not maybe your money, Jesus says, has got in the way of your mission. We're set. Why on earth would we start to be concerned about those in our world who are not? And what this ends up revealing is, oh no, the Laodiceans, they were all in. They were all in, just all in on their money. And out on his mission. And Jesus says to them, oh man, you are completely missing the fact that I am bored with you. You think life is so awesome and I am bored with you. You are completely missing the fact that heaven is falling asleep. Puddles. No waves, not shaking anything up, playing it safe, super comfortable, which in heaven is just code for boring You don't seem to notice that eternity is not evaluating this season of your life favorably. You've forgotten what I left you on earth for, and yet you brag, we are rich. We're doing well. How are you doing? We're doing great, man. We just got this, and we just, we, and Jesus is pleading with them, you are missing reality here. You are safe, and you are comfortable, and you are boring. This is a powerful rebuke, by the way, because it's such a reminder that very few things will threaten his mission more than our money. Very few things run the risk of making us safe and boring puddles than our money. Because all of a sudden, we're too busy to get in on the mission, we say. Busy doing what? Trying to make more money. And all of a sudden, we're too comfortable to get uncomfortable for the uncomfortable. Why? Because we're trying to figure out how to spend our money. And all of a sudden, we're too, we're too scared. 
We're too scared that if we do anything to risk it, you know, we do the wrong thing, we're going to end up not having enough money and we won't be secure and we're worrying about what will happen in the future. And Jesus is like, we're, we're bored up here. Because then we disengage. And before long, we put the mission on hold because of our money. We're in school getting ready to make money, so we don't have time for that. We're working, making money, but trying to make more money, and so we don't have time for that. Very few things will run the risk of derailing the mission more than our money. But you know what money is cool for? It's also really cool, and we talked about this last week with, with the orphan um, and the vulnerable child, but, but money is a great exposer. It's a really great exposer because very few things reveal how all-in we are on the mission more than what we do with our money. That's why Jesus makes the statement, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If, if you want to know what I'm most in on, look at my checkbook. Where is it going? And is any of it a canal bringing life to the hurting and to the lost? Is any of it medicinal, helping the hurting and the broken in the world around me? Is it a channel? Or is it just this comfortable thing that gives me a sense of security and a sense of safety? If you have any clue, by the way, does lukewarm apply to me? The question is, what are you doing with your mission? And what are you doing with your money? And is your money on mission? And Jesus says, you brag about being rich, but heaven is evaluating you differently. You are all comfortable down there, and you have no clue that you are in trouble. That's the word Jesus uses that's translated wretched. You are in trouble because you are not using your comfort to do anything for others. You should be intensely uncomfortable if you really had a sense of reality. You are admired down there, like your reputation is on point, but your reputation up here is so suspect. If you only knew in the evaluation that really mattered, you claim to be wealthy, but you're poor in heavenly currency. Because again, your money is not on mission. You guys are famous for your eye solution, but you are blind and you don't have a heavenly vision that sees the hurting and that sees the broken like we sang a few minutes ago. You are blind. You don't have a heavenly vision that can see reality and can really see what we're going to wish we had done when it's all said and done. Covered up in your very, very exclusive black wool, but in heaven you're exposed because you're not on mission. Money is making you miss the mission, Laodicea. 
But then Jesus beautifully, uh, this is so Jesus, he beautifully invites them to more. He invites them to trade in and trade up. Verse 18 says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich in the way that really matters, he says. And, and, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. This is so great. Buy for me gold so you can learn what real riches are as heaven evaluates. Your life was rich, he says. And nothing against your funky black coats, but come get for me real outfits, real attire that can cover what matters most. And unlike up there in Aeropolis, I have a salve that will give you holy vision and will allow you to see what matters and will allow you to start to see the broken and the hurting around you. Come to me. Follow me and find in me what really matters. This is so awesome. By the way, I love verse 19. Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. That's like one of my favorite lines right there. Um, because, you, you know, you read this letter and you're like, Jesus really hates them. Jesus is like, no, 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 I could not love you more. If I didn't love you, I would let you continue to live the way you're living. But I love you so much that I'm going to call you to more and I'm going to tell you the hard things and I'm not going anywhere. And right now you're a little bit... But I want to invite you to more and more and more, which is one of the reasons I pray that the Spirit of God will always give us the courage as a church to say the challenging things and to say what Jesus says. Because if we really love people, we're going to call them to more. And I love this. Jesus is like, you guys, ugh, and ugh, and you're missing it. But hey, I'm just saying all that to invite you back. If you are breathing, then there is opportunity for you to come back and let's really begin to live. And come on, follow me and find out what really living life looks like. Let me make you kingdom wealthy. Let me give you a reputation and a vision that the angels will be envious of. Repent and go all in. This is amazing. Jesus is saying, if there are things and you know they've been holding you back, it is time to repent and come back. I love this. And he says, you know, um, at the end of this section, by the way, if you can hear this, these words, then there is time to go all in. And I wonder if that's not going to be true for some of us. That maybe Jesus is speaking to us about the ways that we've just, bleh, puddles, we've played it safe, and, and we've been, you know, comfortable, 
and it's been more about the money than it's been about his mission. And I love that, that if you can hear that and you are breathing, this is Jesus saying to you, I love you and I have so much more for you. Come on, come back and let's go. And then he says in verse 20, here I am. This is so cool. I've not gone anywhere. I'm still here. And I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Again, if anyone hears my voice. Because you know how sometimes you come to church and you're like, eh. Shut it down. Turn it off. And then there are other weeks you come to church and you're like, I heard that. And in fact, this morning, there's some of you who will say, I hear that. And in fact, I hear it so loudly, I want to get out now so I don't have to do anything about it. But the Spirit of God is faithful. And Jesus says, if you can hear my words and my words resonate with you, then open the door and I will come in and I'll eat with you and you will eat with me. This is so powerful. Jesus is saying, you all have been keeping me at arm's length and you all have been keeping me out. Let me in. Let me in. This is powerful um, because, you know, I've read this many times, and if you are familiar with the Bible, maybe you've read this section of Scripture and this verse in particular. And, you know, I, we've often read this, if you're like me, as sweet Jesus is begging or negotiating. Like he's outside, like it's cold out, guys. Please, please let me in. Do me a solid and, and let me in, please. Um, nope. That's not Jesus' tone. Um, Jesus is making a profound statement here. He's saying, I want to come in, and I want to sit at the table, and I want to eat with you, but ooh, you're in my spot. Jesus is saying, open the door and get out of my chair. Get out of my seat. I mean, you know Jesus has the keys. He can come in if he wants. But he's saying, I'm not asking you to just let me in. I'm not asking you to let me into the lobby so we can start to negotiate. He's saying, you are in my chair, and I need you to move. I come in, but on my terms, I sit at the head of the table, which is why I wonder if Jesus didn't start this by saying, hey, I am the ruler of God's creation. I want you to know that I am in charge, and if I come in, I want to take charge. You all have pushed me out, and you've gone after your stuff, and you ask me to come in and bless your activities. I'm not interested in that. I want to come in and be in charge, and be the shot caller, and it's no longer about your money, now it's about my mission. It's no longer about your comfort, now it's about the hurting and the broken. It's no longer about you playing it safe, it's now about you taking risks to carry the light and love of Jesus to the lost and the broken. Let me in and get out of my seat. Jesus isn't being cute here. This is Jesus, these are his terms. I don't sit, I don't ride shotgun. I don't sit at the tail of the table. There's only one place I want at that table. And if you can hear my voice, then let me in and get out of my seat. I, I love this. Um, 
And Jesus isn't promising, by the way, oh, things are going to be super easy. He's not promising that, but I love this. Jesus is saying, but if I come and if I sit at the table, oh, we are going to feast, we are going to eat the best, and we are going to go on a heavenly adventure, and when this thing is all said and done, you will be so glad you opened the door, and you will get to the end of your life, and you will be saying, whoa, what a ride. Otherwise, bleh, boring. Let's go for a ride, but I want to drive. So open the door. Let me in. Let me be in charge. Which is, by the way, why I think the passage ends the way it does. Um, verse 21 and 22. To, to the one who is victorious, he says, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. And I have a quick question for you, church. How many of the things that you are obsessing over now, and how many of the things that you are running after now, and how many of the things that we are staying comfortable to avoid running after now, how many of those things do you think you're going to regret leaving behind when you are sitting on a throne? You honestly think you'd be like, oh man, I wish I'd have watched more Netflix back there. I wish more people would have liked me. I wish I'd have made more money. That's my own. I guarantee you, when you were sitting on the throne with him, you'd be like, that was so awesome. That was so worth it. In fact, I wish I'd have done some more. Verse 22, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me in. Go all in. Let's go after the lost. Let's go after the broken. Let's be a well. Let's be a waterfall. Let's bring life. Let's bring healing. Let's bring refreshing to our world. And when it's all said and done, oh, we will truly understand what wealth is. And we'll truly understand what comfort is. And we'll truly understand what a reputation looks like. This is such a powerful invitation for the church. And I'm just saying, Mission point, we want to be a people who say, come in, Jesus, take your place, have your way, lead the way. We are all in. Where you go, we will follow. And if it's risky, so be it, because if you're there, we'll be fine. We want to see the lost and the broken encounter and experience your life. And when Jesus is in charge, you know it because the church will be on mission. When he's driving, you know because, oh man, look at them. There they go to the hurting. And there they go to the lost. And there they go to the vulnerable child. And there they go to the hurting. And there they go to the lost. That's one of the reasons that <clears throat> as this series wraps um, we believe Jesus is leading us to go on a mission adventure with him in 2019. And we want to go all in. We want to say a resounding yes. Not just in theory, but we want to actually do what he's calling us to do. And we want to invite you to go all in with us. Um, 2018 has been a year of healing and getting healthy, and you've heard us say that, but we believe Jesus is flinging the doors wide open from the inside because we as a church want to say, come in, have your way. 
and then open doors so we can walk through them, so we can go into the places you are calling us to, do, to go. And, and we're convinced that as we step through the doors he's calling us to step through in 2019, much like he said to the Philadelphians, that he is going to give us unprecedented impact if we would say yes and go with him. And we want to be all in, and we want to be a part of that, and we want to invite you and your family to be a part of that as well. And if you're here last week, then you got some sense of some of the doors Jesus is opening for us to walk through to show and share um, his love more. But in case you missed it, let me just give you a, a, quick, a, a quick foretaste. Um, man, in 2019, we know he's inviting us to, 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 to go with and to partner with um, organizations like Heartline. Um, because we want to start local, um, and then we want to go international, but we want to be um, impactful in the world around us. Heartline Pregnancy Center um, here in town, because we cannot say we, we love and we care for the vulnerable child and not be advocates for the unborn. So we love this organization who don't just advocate for the unborn, but they come alongside the parents to say, we want to support you as you journey in raising these kids. Because Lord forbid we be sitting around posting stuff online and picketing, but not stepping in and being part of what God is doing. So we're like, yeah, we're in. Thank you for that, Jesus. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Agatas, Ryan and Nina Berger, who are showing and sharing the love of Jesus through um, camp sporting um, events here in the community. And man, 2,028 kids have heard about Jesus and have experienced something of his love in the last number of years. And we as a church say, we want to go in with you guys in the next year to see more kids experience who Jesus is in our own community. And so we're saying, amen, yes to that. We're in on that adventure. I mean, All Things New is an organization here in town. Some of you may not have heard of our friend um, here in the house, um, Shelly Metzger, is a part of that. It's a local ministry that comes alongside women struggling with various addictions to give them a fresh start, to give them a different future. Because we can sit around and we can tweet and we can blog and we can talk about or the opioid crisis or we can talk about, you know, all, all the, the, the drug issues. But we want to say, how do we come alongside the lives of people who are being affected by this and journey with them? And so, yeah, we're in on that as well and looking forward to seeing what the Lord will do. But not just local. We, we want to go international as well. Um, we're partnering with... Um, NG4C, um, Matt and Leah Hoskins, um, Jay and Lori Widman um, have helped launch a ministry in Canaan, Haiti, which is an interesting place. It's like the desert, the impoverished desert of Haiti, and literally there is a well that is there in that place. Life is springing forth. This ministry, um, man, it's coming alongside to help kids get educated and to come and help strengthen families in that context. And there's a school there with hundreds of kids, and life is springing forward. And we're like, how can we be part of what you guys are doing there to see more and more kids um, educated and families cared for. Pretty awesome. 500K, you've heard us uh, talk about these 500,000 um, uh, churches because there are places in India the canal has never gotten to them and they've never heard anything about Jesus and we want to see that canal built a little bit further so it can get to people who have no opportunity to hear about Jesus and we're like, we are in with that as well. And so we want to walk through that door in 2019. We think about Three Strand and, you know, Mike and Myra Taylor who are a part of this church and they're 
um, ministry, health care for the impoverished in Haiti and in Africa, saving lives through uh, medical care. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, Heropolis. You want to talk about a hot spring that's bringing healing. We're like, we want to be in on that so you guys can do more and reach further in that way. You heard us talk about design outreach. Um, Abe and Lisa Wright, who are part of our church family, who are bringing clean water to impoverished, impoverished villages in Africa and Haiti as well. And Abe helped design a life pump, y'all, like a pump, like it goes 100 meters into the ground to bring clean water so kids don't have to get out of school and they don't risk disease and there is life flourishing in that place. And we want to be part of Jesus being shown in that practical way um, internationally. But we also are thinking internally um, of um, Jeff Gill, for instance. Um, like, wait, I thought we were talking about mission. We are talking about mission. Um, Jeff Gill, um, this uh, stud of a man on the screen behind me, is somebody we want to bring on staff in 2019. And it's like, well, why do you guys want to do that? Well, because of the mission. Everything we... Listen, mission at Mission Point is not a department. It's the lifeblood. It's who we are. Please know, whatever we do, we are doing so we can be better positioned to show and share the love of Jesus. So why Jeff, well, the Dr. Jeff Gill, I mean, I, let me say it this way. He's an expert when it comes to training and equipping people. And we don't want anybody to be a part of this church who is able to say, like, I want to share the love of Jesus. I want to show the love of Jesus, but I don't know how. And so we would love somebody who's part of the team who is equipping our people and empowering our people and encouraging our people to live fully on mission. And so we'd love to bring him on board. And can I just say, we also just want to continue to break this artificial and archaic divide that's been created in the church where people talk about like mission is what happens internationally, but, you know, then there's administration and there's operations. We are only concerned about mission. No, the whole thing is about mission. Mission is the main thing. And um, I'll give you a couple of examples, like MP students. We want to continue to do MP students. Why? Because these kids on the screens are your missionaries to the schools in our county. So when I hear people say, well, what about, we want to continue to do the things we're doing in-house because these things empower and equip people to carry the light and love of Jesus. I, I think about MP Kids. Our kids ministry is a mission partner. It just happens to be an internal one. This little one over here, Sophia. By the way, if you pay attention to baptism, can you see what the Lord is doing in the young kids? He's calling them to himself, and then he's launching them out. Sophia got baptized, and she insisted on wearing her baptism shirt to school the next day. Why, Sophia? So that my friends will ask me what the shirt is about, and I can tell them about Jesus. That little precious soul up there. I'm like, we want to do more of this. So by the way, don't ever hear us talk about kids' ministry or talk about one such child or talk about MP students or talk about the tech team and think like, okay, that's the non-mission stuff. The whole thing is a mission stuff thing. And we want to go all in in seeing a movement of people empowered and to see our partners empowered so we can reach further for the gospel and help people in real practical ways to see Jesus and also to hear and believe his message that brings forgiveness and brings life. Um, 
I'm going to take a couple of minutes and explain this. Elders, can you guys come? We're going to hand these out. It's just going to take um, a couple of, of moments. Um, we would love for every household to take one. Regardless of where you stand with Mission Point, or maybe this is your first time, we would still love for you to take one per household. And if you have a teenager in your house, I'd recommend that they take one and say, I want to have one of my own. And please no, make no mistake about it, this is a, a commitment card. This is us inviting you to not just think it, to not just feel it, but to, to say it. I want you to count me in in 2019. I want to walk through the doors and be part of what the Lord is doing here in 2019. Um, now, we are not going to take these cards back here today. I'll explain that here in a, a couple of seconds. This is just your way of saying, you know what? I've been on the edge, and I've been thinking about it, but we are asking you, no, as we look at what Jesus says to these churches, we want to be a church that commits and says, we're in. Count me in. And then we do what it is that Jesus has called us to. Uh, you're going to get this card, but you can see up here on the screen, it will make sense um, as you see these um, here in a second, so you can know what we're asking you to commit to. Um, we're asking you to commit in 2019 to, to connect, um, to connect with others in contexts where together we can grow in love for and obedience to Jesus. Because if we're going to live the mission, we are going to need each other. I don't know about you, but what I know about me, I'm, I'm lying, I know about you. What I know about all of us is if I don't have people in my life who know me and are speaking life to me, I'm going to slow down and gravitate towards being a puddle. I need people who are coming alongside and saying, don't quit. Let's keep, it's, it's worth it. Let's keep going after the lost and the broken. This is not saying that we're going to sign you up for a, a small group or, or we're going to commit you to being in something. This is just you saying, okay, I am committing to taking the next step towards being connected to other people in the church. And for some of you, it might be going to next steps just to learn a little bit more. Um, for some of you, it may be a simple commitment where you're saying, you know what, I'm committing to hanging around at least five minutes after at least five services in the year instead of evacuating the premises as quickly as possible. I'm just going to take that risk and start to, to allow people to, to get to, to know me and me get to know them a little bit. For some of you, it's yes, I'm going to be in a small group um, because it's time for us to connect to that degree. But this is just you saying, I am committing to taking the next step towards um, being connected. And then the second one is, is serve. Uh, serve others through developing and stewarding my gifts and abilities to build a stronger church and family. Um, a stronger church family and community. Uh, because if we're going to be a healthy movement carrying hope to the hurting, uh, we're going to need to be serving and coming alongside and using our gifts to help and encourage each other. Now, this is not saying if you commit to this that we are going to sign you up for an area of ministry that you do not want to be a part of. And you'd be like, hey, guess what? You're scheduled for next week. That's not what this is. This is just you saying I am willing to step in and use my gifts to serve. And please hear me. Please hear me. 
This is not saying I'm going to do more than I'm already doing. Some of you are serving more than enough. We're not asking you to, to do more. We're saying, are you committed to continuing to serve? And some of you are in seasons where you can't serve right now. Like your kids are at a stage of life, it's just absolutely chaotic. Or you're caring for your aging parents. And we actually want to tell you, take the season to rest. Maybe you're here from a hurt experience from a different church. We want you to take a season to rest. In fact, we want you to hear us say, we got you. Which is why we serve, because some of us will be in a position where like, no, 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 we'll serve, you heal. But for some of you, you know it's time. And for others of you, all you're saying is, I'm going to rest right now. Thank you so much for the freedom and permission to do that. But I want you to know that when I'm able, watch out. I'm going to serve so others can heal and others can rest. But we serve each other. We want to break the whole 80-20 where only 20% are doing everything and 80% are consumers. And this is also saying, I commit to being equipped. There are things I don't know how to do, and as opportunities emerge, I'm going to step in and be um, equipped. But I want to be part of giving to this church with my um, abilities and my skills. Speaking of giving... Um, this is a commitment to give generously and intentionally by gladly committing X percentage or X amount of my annual resources to enable um, us to reach the lost and help the hurting and the hopeless. Because if we are going to walk through the doors Jesus is calling us to walk through, and if we're going to help empower our partners and help raise a generation of kids after Jesus, that takes generosity financially. Um, this is not saying, by the way, that you have to give a certain amount. I love what the Bible says. The Bible says, no, you give what you've decided in your heart to give, which is the reason that we have a percentage blank or a number blank. We're not saying you have to fill that out, but we're saying there's something powerful about deciding this is what we are going to give and we are going to commit to giving that amount. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, if we don't decide this is what we're giving this year, then we're going to trail off, and we're not going to give, and it's going to be a month where we're like, oh, not this month, and something came up, and we're not going to do it, and we just won't commit, and we want to be committed and consistent givers. Now, if you're uncomfortable putting a number on the line, you don't have to. The point is not the number, but for some of you, it is important to draw a line in the sand and say, this is what we're going to give towards where Jesus is calling us to go. But if you don't feel comfortable, the point is still that you're saying we are in to being givers, and we're going to be able to give differently. I love how many of you college students give here. Now, again, I don't know who gives what amount, but I'm hearing the number of college students who are giving, and it may not be much, but it's like I still want to be a part of that, and it's beautiful. By the way, um, this comes with an envelope. And I'm telling you that because this information is going to be very confidential. Just a small group of our staff is going to be handling this. Um, and, and so please know that this isn't going to be passed around and become public information by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. And um, reach. This is saying, hey, um, I want to reach beyond myself to show and share the love of Jesus to the hurting and the hopeless in my world. That you are saying that in your own sphere of influence, you are going to be looking for opportunities to be light 
and, and to be a well and to be a waterfall to the hurting and the broken, to show and share Jesus in your world because all of us have unique spheres of influence. And if we started to carry the life of Jesus into those places, what an amazing thing, which is another reason we would love to have Jeff Gill on staff so he can continue to equip us to do that better and better and better and better in our worlds. But you're just saying, in my sphere of influence, my home, my work, my school, I want to start taking the next step to sharing and showing Jesus in 2019. This is not saying you're going to lead X number of people to the Lord or you're going to adopt X number of kids. No, that's not saying that. It's just saying you are going to be looking actively for opportunities to do that. And then we'll do it together. We have love ops. Um, and we would encourage you to say, yeah, I'm going to step into at least one love op next year and be involved in a love op. And at these love ops, by the way, we're going to be sharing the gospel. At each of our love op, there's going to be a gospel component so we can make sure we're not just showing his love, but sharing his love as well. And you are saying that you are in on that too. Um, again, we are not collecting these today. We are saying take this home um, talk with your roommates, talk with your friends, talk with your family, talk with your spouse, talk with your parents, um, mainly talk with Jesus. And ask the question, okay, see, because we don't want to just say, amen, that sounds like a good idea. And then, you know, the year starts and we just naturally we're going to wander off. But an amazing thing to have something that says, I said I would, and Jesus, give me the strength to continue to say yes and continue to walk through these doors. This is not magic, by the way. This is not membership. You are not going to get some like advanced parking. You know, you're not going to get like a discount on your tithe or anything like that. Um, this is just marking the moment and making a commitment. And by the way, I realize um, I'm about to wrap. Please hear me say this. For me, I was very intentional when I said to the team, let's talk about this before Thanksgiving. Because the coming season may be a season about Jesus, but it's a season where we tend to turn on consumerism and push him out the door and get more and more stuff for us. And I wanted us to take a moment before the chaos of consumerism hits to say, are we going to commit to being about and our money being on mission and our lives being on mission before it all hits so that when we hit 2019, we are all in. Over the next number of weeks, four weeks or so, we are going to take time during our offering to encourage you to put this card back in, to fill it out and put the card back in as your way of saying to Jesus, I'm in. I'm not just offering my money, I'm offering all of me for your mission. And we are keen to see what are we going to be able to do in 2019 as a movement of people say we refuse to be lukewarm, we refuse to die on a bed of comfort, we refuse to say no to risk, we want to go after the lost and go after the hurting and show and share the love of Jesus Christ. Count us in. And so Jesus, I pray that you would allow us to hear your words and that you would allow us to say yes and do what you're asking us to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, last thing, if you need to talk to any of us on the leadership team and you have questions, like, I want to go in, but I'm not sure about this and I'm not sure about that, we would love to answer any questions that you might have. Hey, God bless, be a well and a waterfall this week. See you next week.